0: In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, high-five two people around you and say, come on, you're awesome. Looking good. Looking good. Looking good. Just want to give you a progress, everyone, a progress report. I I started kind of eating healthier. I started cutting my carbs and cutting out all sugars and candies and everything this week. And I'm glad to announce that I'm two pounds heavier than when I began this week. So just, just... I want you to rejoice with me with that. I'm praising God. My daughter Molly tried to make me feel better and say, "Well, Dad, you're just building muscle mass. So that's it. I'm just getting stronger." So through these next few weeks, I want to be 30 pounds stronger with muscles. And but come on, but isn't that life sometimes that when you begin to do things, the results you get back maybe are different to what you thought they should be, and that perhaps could be the whole theme of this messages, this series, through this month. And this has been a spiritual journey. I I know for me, this has been so challenging to my life, as I've learned that I'm going to have to navigate through struggles and sufferings of life, which we all face. None are excluded. And if you think you are excluded, just wait till tomorrow or the next day. They're going to be there. They're going to be around you somewhere. And we're not being negative. We're positive about that. They're going to be there and around you so what is the struggle here's the struggle that we've been talking about each and every week the fact of suffering undoubtedly brings the single greatest challenge to our christian faith to our christian experience the fact of suffering undoubtedly brings the greatest challenge is a challenge why why is it a challenge because the suffering and the pain can and do come between you and god They affect your relationship with Him. They really do. It affects your relationship with Him. So that's the challenge. We've got to watch that we're not allowing our relationship to be pulled back because of the struggles and the pain. That's the challenge. But what needs to be our response, you see? Because we don't want to just give the challenge. We want to give the answer. Here's the answer. Romans 8, 28. And we know. And we know No, no, no. Maybe you're discovering for the first time today or maybe you need to be reminded today. That's okay. We know that God causes everything, all things, to work together for the good of those who love God and those who are called according to the purpose for them. God has a purpose for you, but he also has a purpose for the struggles in your life. And God's purpose is for those who love him. To bring about that change. And again, that's the challenge. In the struggles, we can lose sight of our relationship with God. Where God says the most important thing that we need to work on is our love for Him. Our relationship with God. And the enemy knows that. And that's why he allows these things and brings these things. Because he wants us to step away from God. But God has a purpose for your life. And here's what we hopefully hope that you have discovered over the last few weeks, first week, that suffering wasn't God's original plan for creation, that man caused it and sin entered the world, but showing the love of God. Why? Because love gave mankind a choice. We have a choice through love. But then we discovered that God uses our suffering in powerful ways to change us, Come on, to draw us to him, to change us, to grow us, to mature us, to make us more fruitful in our life so we can be a witness, so he can bring about his purpose in our life. And then last week we discovered that God more than compensates us for our suffering. If not here on earth, then in heaven. Remember the dot on the page. It's just a small dot of life compared to the glories of eternity. And today I want to talk about this, that God is with us in our suffering. God is with us in our suffering. I want to talk today about how God is involved in our suffering, but also how he knows our suffering because he also endured suffering on our behalf. So as we begin today, we must be prepared to acknowledge that there is no simple and definitive answer to the why of suffering. But we must, must, must therefore see suffering with this perspective. And here's the perspective we must see it through. Are you ready? God is with us. God is a God, sorry, who suffers alongside of us. Why? Because the suffering with God is always for a purpose. He doesn't create, He uses There's a purpose for it and through it. And I believe this truth can have the greatest impact on our lives when we're dealing with the questioning of suffering. Why God? God is a God who is in it with me. He's right there. He hasn't abandoned me. Look at this statement by John Stout. He said these words, I could never myself believe in God. If it were not for the cross. It's pretty powerful right there. How could I believe in a God that didn't know how I felt. If he himself had not gone through the suffering and the pain. Because why? As we know about God, God is not immune to suffering. He's not looking on as an impassive observer. Come on, removed from the suffering of the world. And we see this throughout the entirety of the Bible. Look at this, Hebrews 4, verse 14 through 16. I love this, from the Message Bible. Listen to what the Message Bible says. It says, now we know, there it is again, no, no, no. We've got to know what we have in Jesus. This great high priest with ready access to God, let's not let it slip through our fingers. In other words, he said, you've got to know what you have accessible to you. You've got the God of all creation right there and you better not let that or let him slip out of your fingers. We don't have a high priest who is out of touch with our reality He's what? He's what? He's been through, come on, weakness and testing. He has experienced it all except sin. He didn't sin, he was the perfect sacrifice for us. So let us walk right up to him and get what he is ready to give. Man, I love that. Come on, you may say, well, I love all the Bible. I do too. But there's some things that are a little bit more special than others when you read them. I love that. I can walk right up to him. Come on, can you see that? And get what he is what? Ready to give. give. No hands in the pockets. He's ready to give to you that I can grab a hold of that mercy and I can accept the help that he wants to bring and give to my life. I love the fact that he paved the way for our suffering through his suffering. That means this, he knows how I feel. I said he knows how I feel. That's, that's really important to me. In my walk with God, that's really important to me. Because I don't want to talk to someone or give my life to someone who's clueless about what I'm facing in life. Anyone with me on that? I want, when I'm in financial trouble, I want someone who knows something about money. When I'm having a struggle at home with my kids, I need someone who's going to help me and a parent that can direct me in what to do. When I'm having struggle in my marriage, I need a wonderful counsellor to help me and the mighty God. When I'm struggling physically, I need a nutritionist. I need someone who's going to help me and, and work me out. Do you see what I I need someone who knows where I'm at. That's the promise that we have with God. Where we think, God, you don't know, we are so wrong because he knows more than we could ever imagine. But listen to me, I want someone who can relate to me in my pain, but I also need someone who can take me where I need to be. And you see, the problem we have in life is many times we surround ourselves with people who are relatable. We lick each other's wounds and we nurse each other. Oh, you're an addict too. Me too. And we talk the stories about where we were. Oh, you're divorced. Yeah, me too. Your husband's a jerk. Oh, mine too. Let's just, uh, and we can, we can relate together and we can have all of that. But when we leave, listen to me. When we leave, if we don't have someone who can take us to the next level, listen to me. If we cannot have someone that can take... If I've only got someone that's going to sympathize with me, come on, there's no hope and no direction for my future. I I need someone that knows what I'm going through because they've faced it, but then they can turn me to the one who brought them through and the one that's going to bring me through. And that's the relationship we can have with God. Hebrews 4.15, again from the New King James, we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted like we are, yet without sin. Come on, I need to say it again. He knows how it feels. And he knows how it feels not because he read a book and not because he went to college. He knows how it feels because he has walked in your shoes. He's more than a sympathetic help. He's a strength and a power. To get you through those things. If you look at war and you look at the strategies of war. Over the centuries and years, war has changed. War used to be something like this. That generals and commanders would sit up on the top of a mountain. They would look down on their soldiers. They would wave flags or send orders. And the soldiers would go into battle. That was great until maybe the battle shifted or changed. Now what do we do? Everyone's looking where? Behind them for the answers. And that moment of turning back, that moment of uncertainty created many defeats and battles that were lost. And so what did people realise? We can't just be on a mountain barking out the orders. We've got to have leaders, we've got to have corporals, we've got to have sergeants, we've got to have commanders. We've got to have people who are where in the trenches with the people. So when trouble comes, the answer is right there. Come on, are you with me today? Come on, Jesus is in the trenches with you. When the trouble comes, he ain't looking back saying, oh my goodness, what should we do? He's looking forward and saying, come on, weeping may endure for the night, but joy's coming in the morning. Hold on, keep going, don't give up. We've got the victory assured of us. And I love that. He's not instantly removed. I remember once a friend of mine had gone through a divorce, and, and, and I used to say to him in these words, Man, I'm so sorry for you going through that. I know how you feel. I know how you feel. It wasn't until I went through a divorce myself that I realized how many times I had lied to that person. I had no idea how they felt. I said, I had no idea. I thought I knew. But when I went through it, I was like, oh my, you know, I picked up the phone. True story. I picked up that phone and I said to this person, this words, I am so sorry that I said I knew what you were going through because I had no clue. I had no clue. Come on. I'm glad today. I said, I'm glad today that I have a God who's clued in. Come on. Who's clued in. That's clued in. Anyone remember this story? One night I dreamed. I dreamed. I was walking along the beach with the Lord. Many scenes from my life flashed across the sky. In each scene, I noticed footprints in the sand. If you could keep the, there you go, footprints in the sand. Sometimes there were two sets of footprints. Other times there was only one. This bothered me because I noticed that during the lowest periods of my life, when I was suffering from anguish, sorrow or defeat, I could only see one set of footprints. So I said to the Lord, you promised me, Lord, that if I followed you, you would walk with me always. But I've noticed that during the most trying periods of my life, there has only been one set of footprints in the sand. Why? Why? Why, when I needed you the most, have you not been there for me? And the Lord replied, the years when you have seen only one set of footprints, my child." is when i was carrying you where are you god where are you god where are you god look again look again because those footprints in the sand they ain't a size 5 6 they're not a 9 or a 10 come on they're a god size because god's footprints are carrying You Why? Because he was with you in the suffering. Yes, God could have delivered Rack, Shack and Benny. Shadrack, Bishak, and Abednego. God could have delivered them before the fiery furnace. But God chose to be their deliverance from the inside. He chose to be the deliverance in the middle of of the fire, and to use the fire for His purpose, the ropes that held them bound, He caused them to burn, so they could be set free. From what I read from the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they had pretty decent faith going into the fire. What do I mean by that? Read it, Daniel three seventeen and eighteen. Oh, our God who we serve, he is able to deliver us. They're standing in front of the mightiest king of that day and they're standing there saying, O king, our God who we serve is able to deliver us from this burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not... You know what they're saying there? But even if God does not come through for us... They're making a statement. They say, but let it be known. You know what they were saying? Come on, if you grab something today, maybe you need to grab this. It's not going to be on the screen, so you need to be on version or taking notes in church because you need this. Come on, you know what they said? We would rather die standing than live bowing. We would rather die standing than living bowing because, O oh King, let it be known that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the golden image, what you have set up. And what happens? God shows up. Yeah, after they're in the fire, but God shows up. Why? Because He knows what we need, when we need it, how we need it, and He is our way of escape, in the middle after the, of the fire, after they had been thrown in. But here's what I see. No matter how great their faith was, Before they went into the fire. Come on, tell me how much greater their faith was when they came out of the fire. Come on now. Come on now. Come on now. You may think that you love Jesus. But can I tell you how much more you're going to love him when you come through the fires and the trials and the storms. And we can think bad, God, where are you? And God says, if you could just realize you're going to love me more. And you're going to know me more through all of this. And why? Why? Because they were delivered and they had a testimony because God was what? In the suffering with them. Remember the disciples in a boat. Jesus was in the storm with them. Mark 4, 38. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. It's pretty descriptive there. He's not just snoozing, he's out. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, he's soaring logs. He's out. He's not just propped at the side. He's got a pillow and blankets. He's got his teddy bear. He's wrapped up for the night. He's down for the night. Come on. And the disciples woke him up. Notice how they woke him up shouting. Oh, the wind and the wave was loud, but he's in a dead sleep. Jesus. 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 What? Come on. They woke him from a dead sleep. And they said, teacher, don't you care that we are going When I read something like that, here's what I think. I've got to remember that he had some skin in the game too. What do I mean by that? He's in the boat too. If the boat's going down, come on, he's going down with it. This is before they knew he could walk on water. You know what I'm talking about? They're, They're clueless up to this time. But I ask questions. Why could he sleep? And here's why he could sleep. Listen to me. He could sleep because he knew something that they had forgotten. God knows something that we forget. Mark 4 verse 3, just three verses earlier, just moments earlier. Jesus says, as evening was coming, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to what? The other side of the lake. By those words, Jesus was saying, we're going to make it. I said, we're going to make it. You're going to make it if you stay in the boat trusting Jesus. You're going to make it if you keep believing and trusting. Come on, you've got to trust Jesus. You've got to trust His word. You've got to know. Isn't that the whole theme? Knowing, knowing, knowing. David tells us this, Psalms 23 verse 4, Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Come on, he's in it with you. I said he's in it with you. He's right there with you and he's not just there passively. He's there guarding and protecting you because the Bible says your rod and your staff, they protect and comfort me. They were shepherding tools that were used to comfort and to protect. I haven't got time, but can I say this today? In the fire, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. In the storm, the 12 disciples. In the struggle, you and I. In the valley, David. Sometimes it's hard to see his presence. But that's where faith comes in. Because what I don't see doesn't mean he's not there. He's not there. He is there. He is there. And he's not there in desperation. He's there in victory. He's there in victory he knows us suffering through his suffering and we see a great example of this in second corinthians second corinthians five nineteen. for god was in christ reconciling the world to himself that's what he did on the cross he took us back reconciled us back to him in other words, upon the cross, he was suffering for a purpose. The purpose was to buy you and I, to reconcile us, to join us back to God. Now, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. The NIV says, and he is committed to us. The message of reconciliation. Man committed to us. You better believe he's committed to us. What an understatement that he committed to us. Because he committed this much as he stretched out his hands and he died. He gave his life. That's the commitment he has to us. Ever heard the story about the chicken and the pig? Remember the chicken and the pig that were having the party? Come on. The chicken turned to the pig and said, I'll bring the eggs if you bring the bacon. Just let that sink in for a minute. Just let that sink in. Some of you are going to start laughing on Tuesday and go, oh, I got it now. I see it now. How many knows that one was in it for a lot more than the other? Come on, one was just dropping something off and the other had to take the chop. Yeah, amen. Take the plunge. Come on, he didn't lay an egg for you and I. And I don't mean that in a disrespectful way. He didn't lay an egg for you and I. He surrendered his life. He suffered for you and I. Look at me today, every one of you. We've got to be so careful not to judge God because we don't understand him, because our understanding is limited. We see a snap vision of where we're at right now. But we've got to understand he is so far above our comprehension and what we can figure out. But I don't care how high he is and how far above he is. He is still present in your suffering. Isaiah 53, 3-6, he was despised and rejected. He was a man of sorrows acquainted with the deepest grief. We turned our backs on him. And we looked the other way and he was despised and we did not care. Yet, it was our weaknesses that he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles was the punishment of God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for my rebellion. He was crushed for your sins. He was beaten So you and I could be made whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, we have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid upon him the sins of us all. What a picture of his love through the suffering for you and I. The ones that before, Isaiah prophesied centuries before that would reject him, would not accept him, would not allow the love of God to even, you know, to reject him. But yet, what did he do? Willingly, he still paid the price for you and I. I think it's extraordinary. I think it's an extraordinary thing to think and to know that the God of all creation has chosen to be with me in my darkest moments. We're not alone in our pain. Because when we suffer, he's suffering with us. But in victory, not in defeat. John sixteen thirty three tells us this. Jesus says, I've told you all this, that you may have peace in me. In me. Relationship. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows. I'm with you in that. But he also says that's not the end, does he? Because he says, but I have overcome. Take heart. Take heart. I want to close out this series with what I want to call a suffering well checklist. A checklist that will close out this series. Because we may not always be able to work out why. You see, when God, God never told Job why he was suffering. It's amazing. Read the whole book of Job. God never says to Job, this is the reason You're suffering. But God tells him this, there was a good reason for your suffering. God points out to Job in the middle of it all, Job 38, read it when you get home, towards the end, after everyone else has complained and given all their advice, finally God's given some advice to Job. And God pointed out that Job knew very little about the universe. Where were you when I created the heavens? When were you when I set out? Where were you when I did all these things? (laughs) I didn't need your help, God was saying. You couldn't help me even if you were there. Listen, God is pointing out you knew very little about it. But yet he said, trust me. Trust me. So really the book of Job is not so much about why God allows suffering as much as it is about how we should respond in the suffering. And that's what I want to help you with today. Suffer well list number one. You need to ask, is the suffering a result of my own sin? That's where you've always got to start, on your knees. I said that's where you've always got to start, on your knees in repentance. When I see troubles and trials all around me, the first place I go to is try me, O Lord. Make sure there's a right spirit, as David said, inside of me. If there's any wicked ways, God, change my heart first. And I'll tell you right now, what I thought was other people's problems, many times I've discovered were my problems. And God changed me and as a result, everything else changed around me. Come on, if I'm showing up at the accident all the time, maybe I need to realize I'm the common denominator. Amen? Realize that. Maybe it's not a prayer of deliverance that you need to pray. We hear our prayers, oh God, deliver me from the trouble. That's a great prayer to pray, but I think the first prayer has to be the prayer of repentance. That's the ultimate deliverance that we need. I think we could be praying the wrong prayer. God, deliver me from those things. And God says, no, I want to deliver you in those things because you're the problem. And you need to change. If there's sin in your life or if you maybe don't know there's sin in your life, just begin to say, God, can you reveal to me? Can you show me? And He will. He will. And then we can ask for his forgiveness and we can experience his cleansing. I love that. He doesn't just forgive, he cleanses. First John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful to forgive us of our sins and to do what? To cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In his eyes, it's as though we have never sinned. Checklist number two, we need to ask, God, what are you saying to me through this? What are you saying to me, God, through this? In other words, you've got to change your why into a what. What, God, do I need to see through this? Instead of always questioning why, what, God, do I need to see in this? Because I believe this. Through the sufferings and pain, there's a lesson that God is wanting to teach you. Listen to this. Christopher Crompton wrote these words. He said, over 23 years ago, my first son, Harry, died when he was only 36 hours old. At that time, his death seemed monstrously unfair. And in one sense, it undoubtedly was. But now with hindsight, looking back, I am quite certain that his death was one of the best things that has ever happened to me. Because it began the process of breaking me down with God's grace so I could begin to understand how other people felt and how other people suffered. God, what are you trying to say to me? What lesson do I need to learn through this? Checklist number three, we need to ask, God, what do you want me to do? God, with this, what, God, now what do I do with it? How can I use this pain? How can I use this experience for gain, to help other people. God, what can I do? When David's in a wilderness, come on, he was preparing for the throne. He would have never been the king he was if he hadn't have gone through a wilderness. God, what do you want me to do? This is not the end, but God, one day maybe there's a throne for me to sit on. And I'm not talking about royalty, but there's something God has for my life. God, what do you want me to do? God, how are you going to use these experiences of my life to help me with other people? I believe maybe the greatest shaping moments of your life are going to come through your greatest struggles. Because it's that which makes you relatable. That you can look at someone and say... I know, I know, but I ain't there no more. Don't just want a sympathetic person, oh I know, let's suffer and die together. Come on now, there's the exit, we're going through it. That's what I need someone to say. I need, to know, I need someone to know the way out of my struggle and our pain. Here's the fourth checklist we need to ask. Who is speaking into my life? You've got to be so careful every day. You need to be careful who's speaking into your life. But I believe especially through the struggles and the pain. Job didn't have good people around him when he was struggling. They said to him, just curse God and die. That wasn't the advice that he needed at those times. And you've got to be careful. Proverbs 27, 17 says, As iron sharpeneth iron, so a friend sharpens iron. A friend. I need to watch who's sharpening me because lead's gonna take me to the bottom. Come on, I need to watch who's sharpening my life and helping me. I need to surround myself with good Christian friends that can help me discern between what is right and wrong. And in doing that, give me the word of God because that's what I need to hear. Because my opinions and your opinions don't matter. What matters is God's word in that. So in other words, I, I, I need a friend who's going to tell me what I need to hear, not what I want to hear. Come on. I want to talk just really quickly about small groups. I know this week is the last and today's the last of this current series. And I know some people say, man, you, you just keep promoting this kind of stuff. Why, why, why? But I believe it's so much bigger than what you realize. Because if you haven't been a part of it, you can't understand. But when you're in it, you will. You need to see the power and importance of having the right people around you and in your corner. And we're going to be starting the new semester in June. You need to be signing up for that and getting a part of it. First Wednesday's coming up. This next Wednesday, you need to be here with your kids. and You need to get plugged into what God is doing. Why? Because Galatians 6 verse 2 says, We've got to carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Come on. I, if I've got to live the life of God, I need to make sure that someone's with me, helping me in the journey. They're not my savior, but they're helping me stay saved. They're helping me with accountability. And their lead I've got to be watching through my suffering who I'm surrounding myself with and my life. Galatians 6 2 message Bible says, 1 through 3. It says, Live creatively. Friends, if someone falls into sin, forgivenly restore him, saving your critical comments for yourself. You might be needing forgiveness before the day's out. So stoop down and reach out to those who are oppressed. Share their burdens and complete Christ's law. Because if you think you are too good for that, you are badly deceived. Number five, hold on to hope. you got to know. you got to know. you got to allow hope to be the anchor through every storm of life. This life is always a mixture of battles and blessings. And in times of battle, we need to remember that they don't last forever and that blessings are often just around the corner. But you know what? In times of blessing, we also need to remember thankfulness, to be thankful to God. We've got to keep our eyes fixed on him. In other words, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw aside or off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us and run with perseverance the race marked out for us. How do we run the race? Verse 2, fixing our eyes where? On Jesus. You've got to fix your eyes. You've got to hold on to hope through the darkest night. You've got to see Jesus you got to fix your eyes because I'm telling you right now you're going to go where you look come on if you're driving your car you don't look in the rear view mirror to go forward come on if you looked in the rear view mirror all the time guess what would happen bang Thank God for a rear view mirror because it's a reference point to where you are. But your eyes are fixed forward, remembering what he's done. Thanking him for what he's done. Believing he's going to do it for other people. And praising him and what he's done. But my eyes are fixed forward towards the price. Who am I looking to? The pioneer and perfecter of my faith. For the joy that was set before him through the suffering. He endured the cross. He took the shame. But now he has sat down in victory at the right hand of the throne of God. Hold on to hope. And last but not least, number six. You've got to show compassion to other people. Come on, you've got to be compassionate. When you see other people suffering, come on, through your suffering you can now know what it's like. Miss Nancy is one of the strongest women I will ever know in my life. the last 18 months, buried a son, a husband, and a brother. That's a lot. I said, that's a lot. But through some of the darkest moments, shouldn't have looked at you, Miss Nancy. Through the darkest moments of her life, she now has a new compassion for other people who have lost a loved one. It's not that we ever didn't pray with people and love on people. But now she can hold someone and look at them. I remember the time she held Chip and Nina when they had just lost their son. And she had just lost. Just to see them crying and weeping together. You could just feel that connection that now they were just joining their spirits together. Come on. God is bringing us through some things. So what? We can help other people make it through things. I don't know how people make it without God. And many of the people who are going through the struggles around you don't know God. So you can bring them Christ and hope. Because He is the hope through the storms and the trials of life. You know, it's so easy for us, isn't it, to look at people. And we know those people that are going through the problems because of their sin. But we've still got to have compassion on them. God didn't place you in a position to throw stones at them. God placed you to tell them the truth, but in love. Because the reality is this, we all sinners. And we need to be careful about making judgments. But what do we need to do? Put an arm of love around them. Romans 12 verse 15 tells us we've got to rejoice with those who rejoice. And we've got to weep with those who weep. We all have the right to resist suffering. The band can come back because we all have seen that suffering is an alien intrusion into God's world. Jesus, when he was here on this earth, he fought against suffering. Whenever he came across it, he fed the hungry, he healed the sick, he raised the dead. You see, Jesus saw his ministry in terms of preaching the good news to the poor, proclaiming. Freedom to the captives. Recovery of sight to the blind and the releasing of those who were oppressed. That's scriptural. I said that's scriptural. And now we are called to follow his steps. So maybe the only thing that you may get out of this series is this. Through my suffering, I'm called to bring people to Christ. Because I'm called to follow in His steps. Come on, say with me: "Suffer well." (laughs) Tough pill to swallow, there, isn't it? But why can I suffer well? Because He ain't finished yet, and He's right there with me, right there with me. He's not forgotten you. He's not forsaken you. Because if he has, then he's a liar. And if he lied once, then that means everything else is an absolute lie. Throw it down. But we're not throwing it down. What are we doing? We're standing upon it. Come on, we're standing upon the truth. We're standing upon the rock. We're standing. Come on, if that's your testimony today, would you just stand And say, God, I maybe don't understand it, but God, I'm standing upon your truth. God, I'm in pain right now. I'm struggling right now. But God, I thank you, God, that you know you're there with me, not just sympathizing. But God, you're there to be my rock, my provision, my protection. You're there to be my way of escape. That God, I can bear it, that I can make it through. Come on, no temptation has overtaken man. No temptation has overtaken man that is not common to everyone. But God is faithful. No God in the middle of it. He will not put more upon you than you're able to bear. And with the struggles, he'll be your way of escape. He'll be your way of escape. Dear Heavenly Father, right now we look to you. We thank you that through the struggles and the pains of life... God, we thank you that you're right there with us. That, God, your rod and your staff, they protect us. God, we thank you, God, that you're so awesome and incredible. And we praise you for that. And we thank you for that.